This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and it is another Waiver Wire Tuesday Fantasy Football Playoff Edition. So who better to break it all down than PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the great Nathan Yonke. Nate, we're heading into week two of the fantasy playoffs, the final four in a lot of leagues. We're so close to getting the people home with the fantasy championship. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Last night was a good night. I think we had... Um, in the Scott Fishbowl, all four people who were in part of the Cincinnati Live Draft advanced from the quarterfinals to the semifinals, so a good day for the Scott Fishbowl. Um, I believe both of our DraftKings picks hit yesterday, so that was always nice and had a couple other props that ended up doing well for me as well. So all in all, a good night in terms of all those kind of things. So looking forward to another round of the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, yeah, me too. It was uh, it was a fun Monday night game. We got uh, Jalen Hurts ended up playing. He, he rushed in for two touchdowns. He threw two interceptions. Um, Geno Smith did not play. We saw Drew Locke, uh, Matt Patricia calling the defensive plays, and he could not stop the unstoppable Drew Locke. Um, so yeah, not not like a ton of out and out of the ordinary for this game. But we usually do a, a Monday night football recap here, and we, and we did get some. Strong production from Kenneth Walker um, of the Seattle Seahawks, who, which was really nice to see 86 yards and a touchdown on the ground, plus I think three catches, 26 yards receiving. Um, there's definitely been a few weeks where the game script and usage hasn't been in his favor. So how did things look uh, this week with, with the Seattle backfield? Uh, yeah, this was a little bit business as usual for the Seattle backfield. So a little disappointing that I don't have some stronger takeaways for my last full recap of the season since this upcoming weekend. I'll be um, doing a little bit more on social media and not writing the full recaps, giving the editors and myself a little more time for the holidays. But we'll still have a top 10 recap next week. But uh, with Walker... Uh, the distribution of snaps between Walker and Charbonnet exactly the same as it's been for the past basically two months whenever both running backs have been healthy. Walker taking the clear majority of early down snaps, all short-yarded stuff. Charbonnet taking all of the passing down work and being the primary backup on early down. So this is what we've seen before. The big difference in this one is the offense was really relying on Walker whenever he was on the field. Uh, off to a kind of slow start, but then really by the third quarter a little bit in the second quarter as well walker started to put together some big runs so even when they were playing from behind in the middle of the second half they were still a run heavy team because running with walker is what was working for the offense so good to see walker have a fairly good game especially after charbonnet had been playing well and potentially could have been taking some time away from walker but that no longer seems to be the case in seattle yeah, it is definitely at least nice to see for for Kenneth Walker managers that that usage kind of solidify for him. Um, I mean, not a ton else for for Seattle from what I could tell. Like DK Metcalf and and Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba had that really nice touchdown um, at the end there. Anything else from the Seattle uh, 
side of things that that you took away from this game that was different not really just good to see dk metcalf playing so well on that last drive of the game and then jackson smith getting that last touchdown getting the over on the yards was nice to see at the end as well (laughs) yeah that was definitely good uh clutch touchdown there at the end for the rookie um on the philadelphia side of things again fairly you know common um usage for the the receiving core that we've seen from them we've been kind of hoping for for a bounce back game for deandre swift we talked about that when we went over our DraftKings picks last uh yesterday i guess it was now so um he, he did like you said he hit the rushing over not like a huge game for him 74 rushing yards and, and not a lot as a receiver but um what did the the at least the philadelphia backfield look like to help get deandre swift back on track this week yeah this a lot of it just had to do with the opponent and the game script. So Philadelphia was able to run the ball more. So even over the first three quarters, he ran for 55 yards, which was more than the last two games put together. Um, when I was charting the game, it really felt like a game from last season where um, it was now Swift instead of Miles Sanders, but how they were using the running backs. It was a very clear Swift early down back game while the third down back. But then there were times where after a third down, they like to rush to do the next play, which meant Gainwell would stay on the field for another play. And that happened a bit last year. And it was at least a little bit unique to Philadelphia. And they were doing that again in this game. It really led on that first drive to Gainwell having four carries on that drive. Um, He hit his over on rushing yards within that first drive alone and then only ran the ball two more times over the rest of the game. But I think this was a good time for Swift. It wasn't a great day. He had a couple of nice runs, no huge runs. Ended the day with 74 rushing yards, which was one of his better games of the season. But I think really looking ahead, they faced the Giants and the Cardinals the next two weeks. Um, Two games where Philadelphia, even though they've been on this down streak recently, uh, should be able to play really well against the opponents. It's really been a tough stretch of games for Philadelphia recently. So I think they should be able to run the ball plenty against those teams. So if you've had Swift and have been disappointed with how he's played over the past two months or so, I think he should be doing a bit better over these next two weeks. Nice. Yeah. Love the matchups here going forward for him. Um, anything else from the, the Eagles side of things uh, to take away from this one? Um, only other note is Julio Jones was playing a bit more than he had been in recent weeks. I know he's been a little bit banged up at times. And then uh, Quez Watkins returning from injured reserve is really what led Jones to see a big decrease in playing time. But we started to see a bit more rotation at that third wide receiver spot, a little bit less of uh, Olamid Zacchaeus, so um, it's not going to be impacting anyone's starting lineups, but anyone doing any kind of DFS or single game contest involving the Eagles. Good to know that Jones is playing a bit more and Zacchaeus playing a bit less. Nice, like it. All right, we're going to get into the waiver wire targets here in just a sec, but a quick ad break from our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. As a parent, you've had to learn so many new skills to provide for your family, how to do copious amounts of laundry, meal plan for even the pickiest eater, and now how to protect your family's financial future. Fabric by Gerber Life uh, provides an easy one-stop shop for your family's financial needs, offering high-quality term life insurance policies plus other financial solutions in one easy online hub. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. 
Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Nate. We are going through it now. Fantasy playoff bye weeks are done. Um, These final two weeks are really what we've all been waiting for and building toward uh, all season long. So it's now or never to add some depth and potential starting pieces uh, to help secure the fantasy championship. So let's start with the quarterbacks, um, a position that has been completely depleted by injuries at this point in the season to the point where there are some names on our waiver wire list that I would have never guessed in a million years uh, we'd be considering at this point in the season. But Desperate times call for desperate measures, obviously, and there are, and there may not be better choices available to you. So let's start with a name um, that at least isn't that big of a surprise since he's been on the list for a long time. Uh, it's Derek Carr of the New Orleans Saints. Name. I think you're on mute as well. So. <laughs> oh, still, still no audio for Nate. We've lost them. Just give him a second. Can you hear me now? Yep, you're back. Okay. <laughs> Cam audio will try to get that fixed eventually. But uh, so Carr, we've he's either had good games and we're like, okay, he's played well, and then there's the schedule in the fantasy playoffs, or he's had bad games and we're like, okay. It's not good right now, but once the fantasy playoffs hit, things will go well. And the fantasy playoffs started last week, and he threw three touchdowns without having uh, Chris Olave or Michael Thomas. So uh, things are looking up for Carr. He's been able to play well. He didn't even show up on the injury report after showing up in recent weeks with three or four different ailments. So uh, Carr is finally healthy. Ideally, we'll see Chris Olave back. It does not sound like we'll have Michael Thomas back this week, but a chance he'll be back for the fantasy or for the fantasy championship week. But they play the Los Angeles Rams on Thursday night, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers the following week. Both teams among the top seven and allowing fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. So uh, Carr, not someone who's going to put up top five numbers for the most part with how much they like to run the ball and how little Carr actually runs the ball. So don't see him being a top five quarterback in either of these weeks, but I think he's fully capable of being a top 10 quarterback in both of these matchups. Yeah, it makes sense. And and we like the schedule um, in the fantasy playoffs. And we saw it already this past week. Uh, he was, I believe, inside the top 10, just like you said, um, in, here in week 15 against the Giants. So um, that was definitely nice to see. And like you said, favorable schedule here going forward. So potentially, like you said, another uh, potential top 10 finish. So another quarterback here, uh, one of the the newer appearances uh, on the list this season, uh, because Minnesota, also another team uh, dealing with, obviously, injuries to Kirk Cousins and, and the benching of Josh Dobbs. But uh, Nick Mullins makes the list, and he is rostered in just 6.2% of ESPN League. So what do we like about uh, Nick Mullins going forward? Uh, yeah, the Vikings quarterbacks in general have been good fantasy options this season. Kirk Cousins was a top 12 fantasy quarterback uh, five of his seven games. Joshua Dobbs in three of his five games with Minnesota. So uh, obviously a lot of that has to do with the receivers. They have Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, an offense that loves to pass the ball. Uh, not the best run game in the world, so that also contributes to things. So 
Mullins was similarly able to put up big numbers in this offense, over 300 yards, two touchdowns, although he also had the two interceptions uh, in the overtime loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. So he is someone that if Derek Carr is not available in your league and you are desperate for a quarterback, uh, the Vikings play the Lions this upcoming week. Uh, Lions have allowed the fifth most fantasy points to quarterbacks this season, a game where the Vikings need to win to stay in the playoff race and the lions are looking to secure their division win as well as uh playoff seating so a game that i think should be competitive a game where i think the lions will be ahead so mullins and the vikings should need to pass a lot this week so in deeper leagues if you need a quarterback mullins is the guy that i'd consider Nice, like that. Um, and then another one here, potentially for those deeper leagues as well, and another one of those names that you just you never would have guessed at the beginning of the season, but uh, it is Tommy Cutlets, Tommy DeVito of the New York Giants, rostered in 8% of ESPN leagues. Another guy with a decent schedule, at least as far as uh, points to fantasy quarterbacks go here, right, Nate? Um, going against the Eagles this week. Um, what do we like about uh, Tommy DeVito? I know he he left last game as well with uh, with a potential concussion. Uh, yeah, he uh, didn't have the greatest game, only at 177 yards, and uh, he missed that little bit of time as well. But a lot of it's the schedule. I was trying to find a quarterback that in the week of the fantasy championship uh, had at least a decent game. And DeVito is the only one who really came up uh, facing the Los Angeles Rams in two weeks from now. And then, like you said, plays the Eagles next week. And that's another team that's allowed plenty of fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. So assuming DeVito plays this week, also an option for both games. So mostly have him on the list because I wanted someone who's available in over 90% of ESPN leagues, who has a decent matchup in the championship game that I could potentially rely on. And then that's an added bonus that he could potentially have a good week this upcoming week as well. Nice. Like it. Yeah. It's uh, hopefully your league doesn't um, penalize sacks or anything like that too much because uh, going against the Eagles uh, defensive line here, that that would be the one killer because uh, that, yeah, it's just the Giants offensive line has been, has been really, really poor this year, um, but definitely some potential there, which you like. So those are our quarterbacks short list this week. We only got a couple weeks left again. You know, there's just not many quarterbacks left standing. So um, those are the options here heading into week 16. So we'll move to the running back position now. And one that we kind of talked about um, yesterday, right in, in with the Atlanta Falcons backfield, we, we talked about the disappointing usage of Bijan Robinson um, and how Tyler Algier worked in there. He led the team in carries with 14 um, doubling uh, Bijan Robinson's um, running back carries. So, Tyler Algier um, is is the first name on the list here, rostered in 38% of ESPN leagues. Uh, what do you like about Algier going forward? Uh, yeah, there were a number of players available in over 50% of leagues who had double-digit carries this past week, but almost all of them outside of Algier. It was because of an injury to a starting running back, and Algier was kind of the clear exception of a guy who could continue to see double-digit carries over these next two weeks, even without worrying about the health of the other running backs on the roster. Um, Arthur Smith has been fairly unpredictable from one week to another, who ends up getting the football a lot. But I think because of the matchups these next two weeks against the Indianapolis Colts, against the Chicago Bears, two teams where Atlanta should at least be able to stay competitive in these games, if not have a lead in these games, and that will allow Atlanta to run the ball a ton. They announced this morning that they're making a switch at quarterback again. So another reason why they will probably rely on the run game 
uh, because they haven't been able to trust their quarterbacks this season. So even if they go back to Robinson being the lead back and the player who's getting the majority of the carries, I think this will be a situation where we could potentially see both running backs see double-digit carries in these upcoming games, in which case Algier could have, again, 10 to 15 carries and I think could be even more efficient against some of these other defenses. So it's not someone that I'm excited to start, but I think there's at least the possibility of him having a big game, but also a possibility that he really doesn't do much as well. Yeah, he's obviously anything out of Atlanta is going to be risky, right? But like you said, there's the potential there. We've seen him get the carries. He's facing the the Colts and the Bears the next two weeks. So decent schedule here for for Tyler Algier. And and at least we know that Arthur Smith um, will go to him. Um, I mean, it seems to be random at times, but there's going to be potential there um, for touches, which uh, is what we're really looking for, especially in some of those deeper leagues. So uh, next name on the list, this one really... Um, was a nice one this week. Ty Chandler of the Minnesota Vikings rostered in just under that 50% threshold, the 46% um, had a huge game this week with Alexander Madison out dealing with that ankle injury. I haven't seen anything about Alexander Madison's availability for this week. So for how good Tyler Ty Chandler has been, um, I think we, we were kind of hoping that maybe Madison misses another week here. Um, so how do you feel about Ty Chandler uh, for, for the next two weeks? Feeling decently well about him. The matchup next week against the Lions is not great, but I think out of all of the running backs who stepped up due to an injury, I think he's the one that could continue to have the starting job even if Madison comes back with how well he played. Um, That's a big thing with him is it sounds like he could very well be a feature back. He was kind of rotating in and out with Madison, and he played better than Madison has been this past week. So even if Madison does come back, I'm still – uh, have some trust in Chandler. It'll again uh, feel similar to Algier in that you're really gambling of F Chandler will be the feature back, even if they say he will be the feature back, but he could end up just splitting time again if Madison has a big run because Minnesota throughout the season has changed what they've done all the time at running back. If someone's playing well or poorly, even within the middle of the game, we've seen very different swings in how they are utilizing the running backs. So Um, Like I said, Lions this week where I think they'll be passing the ball a lot, maybe not running the ball too much. So I don't expect Chandler to have quite as big of a game if he is the starter again this week. But the following week against the Green Bay Packers, the Packers have allowed uh, plenty of fantasy points to running backs this season and recently. So I could see Chandler having a big week, especially in the fantasy championship week. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And like you said, just he's just been more efficient, more effective than than Alexander Madison as well. And nice to see again, maybe not the best matchup this week, but you love to see that that volume and, and the amount of touches that he got this past week. Um, 23 carries for 132 yards and a touchdown. Um, had a few receptions in there as well. So really uh encouraging stuff for for Ty Chandler's usage going forward. Um, if Alexander Madison misses more time, but even if he doesn't, I mean, Chandler just has clearly been the the, the better back this year. Um, all right, next name on the list it is Isaiah Spiller of the Los Angeles Chargers, rostered in 0.3% of ESPN leagues. Thursday night was a weird, weird game where um, the usage for these running backs was all over the place. Austin Eckler, really ineffective here. But um, t- uh, Isaiah Spiller got a, the majority of the touches here for, for the Chargers running back. So like his potential here in deeper leagues, uh, Nate? 
Ah, uh, yeah, we had seen two weeks ago he started to be active again after being a healthy and active for most of the season. Kind of overtook Joshua Kelly as the backup running back in that game. And then this week, it again started with uh, Eckler and Kelly splitting the time, but then Spiller uh, joining the rotation in the middle of it. And with how much they were getting blown out, they just kind of stuck with Spiller over the rest of the game. Um, he was the other exception, along with Algier, of a player who saw double-digit carries without seeing any kind of injury to a different running back. So the Chargers out of playoff contention now. They have changed their head coach, uh, made other changes within the organization as well. So they are really looking ahead to next season at the moment. And I would not be surprised if Eckler is not part of their long-term plans and they want to see what they have in some of their younger players and what they can do going forward. So um, Chargers play the Buffalo Bills this week. It's not at all a good matchup for the running backs, for the team whatsoever. But I think you can pick up Spiller now just to see how they're using their running backs in that game and to see if they are trying to see what they can get out of the young players a bit more because the following week they play the Denver Broncos who have allowed plenty of fantasy points to running backs this season. So I think you pick up Spiller now, see how many snaps he gets this upcoming week. And if he plays significantly in that game, even if he's not playing well because they're facing the Bills, I think you can trust him more against the Broncos the following week. So um, that would be the reason to pick up Spiller. And like you said, we're at a point where there's only two more weeks left in the fantasy playoffs. Um, we were talking about Zach Charbonnet earlier in the episode and how he was kind of the clear number two with Walker playing well. I don't think you need to keep someone like Charbonnet on your roster since it'll, if Walker gets injured, then Charbonnet would be great. But if that doesn't happen, there's no reason Charbonnet should be starting in most leagues at this point. So I'd rather take a chance on someone like Spiller who could be the starter and could have a big, big week 17 without any injuries. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, like you said, Austin Eckler doesn't seem to be in their long-term plans. It's hard to blame him. It just hasn't looked like the same player this year. Obviously, he's going to be looking for a new contract and stuff like that. But um, I, I would imagine that we see Isaiah Spiller get more involved as well going forward. Um, another player that that has been on the list for, for a while in the handcuff section, but finally got his opportunity to start also on Thursday night. It was Zamir White of the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, Josh Jacobs missed last game. Um, he's still questionable for, for this week. So Zamir White's still available in a decent chunk of leagues here, over 90% of uh, ESPN leagues. Name. Oh, yeah. White put up decent numbers this past week, but obviously the game script was one that very much favored the Raiders. So if anything, it was a little surprising that White didn't get even more work, but he basically uh, filled the shoes for Josh Jacobs in terms of how he was used in that backfield consistently on the field and rushing situations. And he ended up scoring a touchdown. So that was great to see um, the matchups over these next at least this upcoming week against Kansas City is not great. I could see the Raiders falling behind in that game, in which case it would be a lot more Amir Abdullah than Zamir White. But the week after that against the Colts uh, is a much better matchup for the Raiders running backs. It's just a matter of how long Josh Jacobs is out for. Um, unlike the Minnesota situation where we could see Ty Chandler still potentially being the starter, even if Alexander Madison is back, I think the second that Josh Jacobs is in a decent place, Jacobs is back to being the starter and Zamir White is back to barely seeing any playing time. So haven't really heard anything about Jacobs this week and we haven't really heard any reports of like long-term how long they think Jacobs will be out for. 
but I think it's still fine to stash White until we find out more news on Jacobs because even if you're not starting him this week, you might want to start him in week 17. Yeah, I'm with you. Just as a speculative ad, it's definitely worth it here, essentially kind of taking over that Josh Jacobs role with Jacobs out. And and yeah, we, we there there's definitely potential that he could miss another week. So um, White could have some usage here. Uh, another player that that filled in uh, because of injury, it was Clyde Edwards-Alaire of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, also had a pretty strong game, not not rushing the ball, 13 carries for 37 yards, but added four catches for 64 yards and a touchdown. That was the big difference maker there. Um, it seems like Isaiah Pacheco could be back this week um, with that shoulder injury, but nothing official yet. So with Pacheco potentially still on the shelf, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire has kind of uh, established himself as a nice uh, waiver option for sure. Oh, uh, yeah, he had that a good game, not necessarily in terms of yards per carry, but they do have some nice matchups coming up. Uh, did end up with over 20 PPR points, which was great to see. Um, he was utilized exactly how we would expect. Uh, taking a lot of those early down snaps, short yarded situations, even seeing some snaps at the goal line, which was great to see, even though Jarek McKinnon still uh, saw a snap near the goal line and ended up throwing a touchdown or at least getting credit for a passing touchdown on that uh, short pitch forward. But that counts for passing touchdowns and counts for fantasy points regardless. So McKinnon also ended up with a decent game, but um they are expecting Pacheco back this week, so I would not rely on Edwards Alaire whatsoever. I still might pick him up just in case there um, is a setback for Pacheco for whatever reason. So would be fine having Edwards Alaire on my bench just to wait and see and make sure Pacheco's good to go. But um, all signs are pointing towards Pacheco playing this week, so I don't think you can really rely on Edwards Alaire definitely being in your lineup this week. Yeah, makes sense. Um... All right, next name on the list uh, is Trey Sermon of the Indianapolis Colts. So the Colts also kind of banged up here uh, in their backfield. Zach Moss, we saw uh, suffer uh, an injury last game. Jonathan Taylor still out, maybe comes back this week. I don't know um, for sure yet, but uh, Trey Sermon is the the next man up here for Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, we saw Zach Moss. He was playing 100% of offensive snaps, then got injured on a horse collar tackle, didn't return to the game. So we saw a combination of Sermon and Tyler Goodson kind of split the role over the rest of the game. But Trey Sermon uh, saw a little bit more of the snaps on early downs, a little bit more of the snaps on late downs, ended up with more carries. And I think the really interesting thing here is that the backup running backs were looking a lot more effective than Zach Moss was. So even though there have already been reports that Moss is going to try playing this upcoming week, I'm not sure we're going to see Moss take over 80% of snaps like he's been doing when Jonathan Taylor's been out. I think the backup running backs played too well and Moss has been um, a little bit more inefficient than he was early in the season. So we could see a bit more of a committee of a backfield um, there's a chance Sermon could be the top guy in the backfield, but um, there's also a chance Jonathan Taylor could be coming back. And this upcoming week, the matchup isn't all that great against the Atlanta Falcons, so not the best situation, but I still included him because there's at least a chance that he is the starting running back this week, a chance that he sees upwards of 15 carries again. So because that's at least a possibility, definitely wanted to include him on this list, and especially in some leagues where a lot of the guys we already talked about are are already taken. And if you want to just throw a shot at a player, I think Sermon's someone worth adding to your bench because of that. 
Nice. I like it. Um, and then last running back on the list here, uh, a name we've talked about for a couple weeks now, Chase Brown of the Cincinnati Bengals. We've seen him get a little bit more involved um, in recent weeks, looks a little bit more explosive when he does get his touches. Um, not a huge game this past week, but Chase Brown's still available in over 90% of leagues, Nate. Uh, yeah, there was a time in the game where he was leading the backfield in both carries and targets. Uh, did leave the game for a little bit late in the game and was able to come back. But um, really, he has looked fairly good, even though um, Joe Mixon having a little bit less playing time has also made Mixon a little bit more efficient. So I don't see Brown fully taking over the backfield at any point this season. And the matchups are okay, not great uh, against the Steelers and Chiefs over these next two weeks. But again, if you're just looking for a running back to take a shot on just to see, hey, maybe Brown does lead the team and carries this upcoming week or something like that. And then maybe you start him in week 17. I think that's kind of the situation you're looking for here, but really this probably is more to do with what could happen with the Bengals backfield next year than Brown potentially being able to help you and your fantasy team this year. Gotcha. Makes sense. All right, uh, we'll move on to the wide receivers in a second. But first, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skill based, real money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. So, Nate, um, what, uh, what do you like about or what do you like for your prize picks uh, props this week? I'm going to go with Raheem Mostert, uh, more than 57.5 rushing yards against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, just was scrolling and making sure that the number did not change on me while we've been talking. Um, we just saw the Cowboys face the Buffalo Bills this past week where James Cook had 25 carries for 179 yards. Um, the Cowboys defense in general these past couple weeks have been allowing a bit more rushing yards than they were at times early in the season. And we have really seen this uh, Dolphins backfield it's been Mostert as the main guy, even with uh, Devin A. Chain uh, back in the lineup. He's been more of the passing down back, and a lot of his work has come in blowout wins where Mostert, whenever a game's been competitive, he's been the main guy running the ball for the team. And against the Cowboys, I expect it to be uh, more of a competitive game. So we might see more of Mostert than we usually do in this matchup. So I think the combination of how Dallas has played against the run and how the Dolphins' backfield has looked in competitive parts of games and how well Mostert has played, of course, throughout the season. Um, I think Mostert is very well capable of getting more than 57.5 yards and could have a very big game if the Dolphins need him to. Nice. Yeah, I really like that one. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Gabe Davis, more than 33 and a half receiving yards. I know people are probably thinking I'm crazy. He hasn't had a catch in, in two straight games, um, which we, you know, if, if we, if you listen to the preview show or you li read the uh, man zone wide receiver report on PFF.com, we kind of warned about Gabe Davis here because he's been really, really poor against man coverage. He was going up against some of the man heavy defenses in Kansas City and, and Dallas the past two weeks. We saw this against the Jets for him uh, we saw it against the Bengals even before that so there's definitely been a pattern here with Gabe Davis and his production so going against the Chargers on Saturday night who are not a man heavy team and they just let the Raiders score 63 on them 33 and a half receiving yards for Gabe Davis feels like a safer number I, I don't think he's going to get zero again um, so I'm going to go with Gabe Davis more than 33 and a half receiving uh, this week maybe not a ton more because uh, again he hasn't done a lot this year but um, at least over that 33 and a half number <laughs> 
Um, all right. At prize picks, you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Go to prizepicks.com slash PFF fantasy. Use code PFF fantasy for first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash PFF fantasy and use code PFF fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, moving on to the wide receivers, Nate. And the first name on the list was the first name on the list last week as well. It's Noah Brown of the Houston Texans, um, another guy that had uh, zero catches in back-to-back -back games. And we kind of talked about him, you know, having obviously more potential than that with Tank Dell and Nico Collins out. We've already seen it from him earlier in the year. Um, and he did bounce back in a nice way and still available out there um, is Noah Brown. Uh, yeah, always nice when we talk about someone because of what they could do. And on social media, you get a lot of, well, he hasn't caught a pass in the last couple of games. And like, well, that's okay. And even with the quarterback situation, they had Case Keenum at quarterback, and he still caught eight passes for 82 yards and a touchdown as the Texans' top wide receiver. Um, he and uh, Robert Woods and Xavier Hutchinson were playing basically the whole game, not a lot of rotating out of the Houston wide receivers like we're kind of used to. So, um, they did this against the Tennessee Titans, which they play that team again in two weeks from now. So even though I don't remember their matchup off the top of my head this upcoming week, but really want to get him because of what he can do. Okay. Oh, yeah. So really want him for what he can do in two weeks from now against the Tennessee Titans again. Even if Nico Collins is back, we've seen plenty of times where the Texans, even either the number one or number two wide receiver have put up huge games throughout the season. So even if Nico Collins is back for that game, still trusting Brown a lot against Tennessee again in two weeks from now. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, not necessarily the best matchup this week against Cleveland, but I mean, if no, or if Nico Collins uh, misses this next game as well, I mean, there's at least potential there, right, um, for him to be the top uh, target for the Houston Texans. But yeah, really like that matchup against Tennessee. Um, all right, next name on the list it is Curtis Samuel of the Washington Commanders. So um, had a really nice game uh, this past week, nine targets, five catches, 41 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, and he is rostered in 42% of ESPN leagues. Oh, uh, yeah, this is really three straight games for Samuel where he's put up big numbers where, like, he's one of those kind of veteran receivers that we've seen for a long time and know he's not going to be a consistent top 10 player or anything like that. But after the first game, it's like, okay, that's good to see, but we're probably not going to see that kind of game again. And then he does it twice in a row and it's like, okay, maybe I should start paying attention. And after three games, it's like, okay, you're a big part of the offense right now. And it kind of makes sense with Eric Bieniemy and how much they've liked the slot receivers in it when he was with Kansas city and he's a clear slot receiver for Washington. And I think that makes it pretty interesting if you're looking for a wide receiver specifically for this upcoming week because they are playing the New York Jets and the Jets have a good defense, but their best cornerbacks play on the outside. They've been um, arguably the best team at stopping outside wide receivers. I think they've allowed the second fewest receiving yards to outside receivers this season only one receiving touchdown to outside receivers. So not looking great for Terry McLaurin or Jahan Dotson for this game, but they haven't been quite as dominant against slot receivers. Uh, still have been decent against slot receivers, but I think with how much Washington is fine throwing the ball, especially in close games, and how um, Samuel is probably the wide receiver who can best take advantage of the Jets defense, I could see Samuel seeing a ton of targets this week. So... Um, obviously not the greatest situation and hopefully you have better receiving options on your roster already. But if you do need a wide receiver specifically for this week, I think 
Curtis Samuel is the guy that I'd be looking at. Nice. Makes sense. Um, another name on the list, and it is Dontavian Wicks of the Green Bay Packers, rostered in 3% of ESPN leagues. Um, just led the Packers in, in receiving this week with seven targets, six catches, 97 yards. Um, you, you like the potential here for Dontavian Wicks to keep things going in week 16, Nate? Yeah, the big thing is that Christian Watson and his injury, he missed this last game, which allowed Wicks to be a starter. So I think he really needs Watson to miss another game in order for Wicks to be a fantasy starter again. Because um, in past games, when everyone's been healthy, Wicks has kind of rotated in among uh, both Watson and Dobbs. So I think that's a big thing. But Green Bay, they have a number of young wide receivers that we've talked about and tight ends as well. We've had probably five or so different receivers we've talked about on the waiver wire show throughout the year, but Wicks has graded the best out of all of those players. Uh, he's the only one at two yards per route run or better among their wide receivers and tight ends. So he's arguably been playing the best out of all the players on this team and just put up his second game of over 90 yards in the last couple weeks. Um, play the Carolina Panthers and Minnesota Vikings, which they aren't necessarily the greatest matchups, but just in terms of his talent and how well he's played, I think it's worth considering because the Packers are kind of going to be desperate for wins these next couple weeks as well. So they need a wide receiver to step up. So I think it'll be interesting to see F Wicks is again, a major part of this offense and really going forward, It'll be interesting seeing in 2024 what they end up doing with their wide receiver and tight end rotation since everyone's going to be coming back to the team. No one's uh, nearing the end of their contract, and they have four good young wide receivers, two good young tight ends. So we might not see – we might see the tight ends kind of cancel each other out for fantasy purposes. We might see some of these wide receivers start to cancel each other out or might see a different one having a big game each week. It'll be really interesting to see, but short term – I think Wix is playing too well to kind of ignore at this point. So available in a ton of leagues. So I think worth at least having on your bench. See if he does well against Carolina, who have Carolina's strength has been really stopping wide receivers. So maybe not this week, but if he remains a starter for the next two weeks against Minnesota, that could be a huge game for him. Yeah, there is definitely something a little bit funny, though, about um, Green Bay getting all these secondary uh, receiving options that are really, really good after Aaron Rodgers has, has left the team, um, which <laughs> obviously outside of Devontae Adams hadn't had much in recent years. And now they they seem to have a whole bunch of options. Um, and Dontavian Wicks is, is just another name on the list here. So um, moving on to uh, Rashid Shahid of the New Orleans Saints, rostered in 21.5% of ESPN leagues. He's been on this list for a while. We talked about you know him getting much better usage with Michael Thomas out of the lineup, and, and we did see that this past week. Didn't have a huge game by any means, um, just four targets, three catches, 36 yards, but the usage being the, the, the key thing here for Rashid Shahid. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, yeah, the Saints wide receivers this past week looked uh, very similar to several years or 
of the Saints wide receiver rotation where they would rotate their players in and out a ton. No wide receiver played more than 60% of offensive snaps, but they had some wide receivers that were clearly in for run plays like uh, Marquez Callaway, and then Shahid was mostly in for passing plays. So he did lead the wide receivers in terms of routes run uh, with Chris Olave out. Only had uh, four targets, which left the three receptions for their 36 yards. Oh, not too concerned about his production in this game just because he was coming off of the injury, had missed those few weeks. So uh, not too concerned there. was against the Giants, and the Giants are also the most man-heavy team. Shahid's played at least a little bit better against zone defenses this season as well. So uh, really looking for him for the Week 17 matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where the Buccaneers have allowed the sixth most fantasy points to wide receivers this season. So I think we can see what Shahid can do with another game back, even if Chris Olave is healthy. I think he'll still be running plenty of routes. And hopefully he puts up a little bit better production this week so you can trust him a bit more for Week 17. Nice. I like it. Um, Another name on the list here. It is Wandell Robinson of the New York Giants, rostered in 6.3% of ESPN leagues. Um, Nice usage uh, for him as well. A season high, 91% of routes run, um, which is a really good number for him. Didn't get a ton of targets, obviously. Four targets, four catches, 25 yards. But... um, Again, the usage is there. There's potential for targets. We like the matchups uh, going forward. Um, so, yeah, tell us more about Wandale Robinson. Yeah, this is, again, looking for wide receivers who are available in at least 90% of ESPN leagues, which Wicks qualified for that, but there's a chance that Christian Watson is back, and then you can't rely on Wicks for this upcoming game. So looking for a wide receiver who could have a big week this upcoming week, and Robinson fits that. Um, Paris Campbell has been the player he's been competing with for snaps in the slot, and Campbell was a healthy inactive this past week, so that kind of was pretty big news for Robinson. And even though he didn't put up the biggest numbers in this game, he has had some fairly good games this season, and they're facing the Philadelphia Eagles uh, this week, and the Eagles have allowed plenty of fantasy points to wide receivers this season. Uh, Robinson, since week four, when he became fully healthy, has led the team in targets and receptions. I know Darius Slayton is coming off a big game and is also someone you could consider uh, for the matchup this upcoming week. But uh, Slayton has been a bit more inconsistent, has nine games with 35 or fewer yards this season. So Robinson is probably the guy among the Giants wide receivers that I'd be willing to trust the most. And Philadelphia, they've allowed plenty of fantasy points, both to outside and slot receivers. So I think the fact that Robinson does play predominantly in the slot is perfectly fine. We just saw uh, Jackson Smith Nujibba score that touchdown and have over 40 yards against the defense, even when Seattle's passing offense really didn't do much until that last drive of the game. So I think Robinson is capable of having a good week, especially because the game script for this game should be different than it was last night. I'd expect the Eagles to have a lead of potentially double digits early on where giants should need to pass the ball a lot yeah makes sense i'm with you i i think that would be the lone wide receiver that i would trust over there uh in new york as well um and then last wide receiver on the list another name that uh, has been on here quite a bit finally got back healthy it's michael wilson of the arizona cardinal cardinals rostered in just four percent of espn leagues um we saw him back this week didn't do anything obviously just three targets no catches um but hollywood brown banged up um michael wilson still a uh, potential here to to be more involved in in the weeks ahead 
Oh yeah, this has always been a, the Cardinals play the Philadelphia Eagles in week 17, so if you need a wide receiver for the fantasy championship game that's widely available, Wilson could be that guy. And like you said, he came back from the injury, and with Marquise Brown out, that could be huge for him. Uh, Wilson's playing time was the same that it's been basically right before his injury, which was really good to see. It wasn't like a number of other situations where we saw guys come back from injury and they were pretty limited in their playing time when they came back. So I think Wilson, especially um, considering he's made a ton of big plays early in the season, he was among the top 40 players in receiving yards before his injury. The big thing is he has to earn Kyler Murray's trust and he doesn't have too much time left to do that for this season. Um, so most of his production came with Joshua Dobbs at quarterback. And this past week we saw uh, not just Trey McBride have an amazing game, but we saw their backup tight end have the second most receiving yard, their third string tight end have the third most receiving yards for the team. So um, hopefully we see a bit more targets out of Wilson this upcoming week so we can trust him a bit more when he faces Philadelphia. Yeah, that's the hope there for sure. Hopefully he could beat out one of those tight ends um, for receiving production this coming week and and, and in the weeks ahead. Um, speaking of tight ends, let's move to our tight end waiver wire targets. And the first name on the list, he has been a touchdown machine as of late. Uh, apparently it is Hunter Henry of the New England Patriots rostered in 17.6% of ESPN League's Nate. Um, we It's been an up and down season for, for Hunter Henry, but we're, we look to be back in on him uh, for these final weeks of the year. Uh, yeah, it was nice. I had him uh, penciled in as the player that I'd have at the top of this list before the game happened, and then he caught the seven passes for 66 yards and a touchdown, so that made it a bit e- more easy to put him at the top of the tight end list. Um, he's been fairly inconsistent throughout the season, started the season well with three games over 50 yards, and then had a 10-game stretch where he was averaging 17 yards per game, which is not great, And but these past two weeks... Uh, He turned 29 years old. He's a new man now, caught the two touchdowns a week ago, and then the one touchdown this week. So uh, throughout his career, he's been uh, very high, highly dependent on scoring touchdowns. Uh, But he faces the Denver Broncos this week. Uh, Denver's allowed the second most fantasy points to tight ends this season. So I think the matchup is the big thing with him where he is very capable of scoring a touchdown against Denver, in which case you'd probably be happy having him in your lineup. So specifically if you are looking for a tight end this week, Henry would be the guy, but hopefully you are not looking for a tight end this week, considering um, the position is relatively healthy at the moment outside of Mark Andrews, who's still on injury reserve as expected, but we've had mostly tight ends coming back from injury recently. So Hopefully you don't need a tight end, but if you do, Henry is the player to consider. Nice. Yeah, it makes sense. He could have even had a, a second touchdown um, this past game, but it was called back uh, due to penalty as well. So, um, yeah, three touchdowns in the last two games. Like you said, he's he's a new man now that he's, he's 29. That is, uh, uh, yeah, an interesting uh, statistic there for Hunter Henry. Um, the other tight end name on the list is Gerald Everett of the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, really nice target rate this past week, 33%. He had eight, so that's eight targets, five catches, 41 yards. Um, Chargers are, are banged up across the board, Nate. So Gerald Everett, maybe potentially the last man standing here. 
Ah, yeah, he seemed to be a favorite target of Easton Stick so far. Um, Keenan Allen was his favorite target in week 13 over that half of football, but Allen missed this past week, so Everett became the new favorite target. And Everett was also targeted a decent amount in week 13 as well, so I think the big thing is he should see a decent number of targets. Um, It's also worth noting that Donald Parham, who has been rotating a lot with Everett, missed this past week, so that also contributed to Everett having a good game. But uh, they faced the Broncos in uh, week 17, and Everett just recently had a decent game against the Broncos, and I think um, with the injuries they've had at receiver, Everett could have an even bigger game against Denver this time around. So uh, definitely not trusting him this week against the Buffalo Bills, but if you need a tight end specifically for week 17, out of all of the guys on the waiver wire, Everett's the one that I would consider the most. Nice. And then the last name on the list here, uh, continuing the Green Bay Packers uh, wide, waiver wire factory that they've been. Uh, Tucker Craft makes the list now. He's rostered in just 3.3% of ESPN leagues. Um, he's been playing really well uh, recently. So we, we like Tucker Craft here to finish the season strong. Uh, yeah, caught four passes, 57 yards, and a touchdown this past week against Tampa Bay has fully taken over as the lead tight end with Luke Musgrave out. He's played in at least 95% of offensive snaps each of the last four games. Uh, Had a solid performance the week before, four receptions, 64 yards. Um, The matchups these next two weeks really aren't that great for the Packers, but if you look at all the other tight ends who are available in at least 90% of ESPN leagues, Kraft is the clear one to like among all of the tight ends in that group, just with his playing time and his targets, regardless of the matchups that are upcoming. So obviously not liking him in most leagues, in most situations, but especially something like the Scott Fishbowl, which is a tight end premium league or any other tight end premium leagues where you start multiple tight ends as well. Kraft is someone who's at least worth considering starting there. Yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, I'll be starting Tucker Craft again in, in a deeper league as well um, this week. So like that. Um, all right, let's we're, before we move on to our, our five round draft, which is a fun one today. Um, people will want to will want to stay tuned for that one. Um, we do have some questions here from the the comment section. Uh, and starting also, well, Don said he needs a quarterback. That was right at the beginning. Uh, we we started when we talked about the waiver wire target, so that one we covered. Um, but Jesse Salgado asks, do I start Robinson or Walker? So um, I'm assuming this is Bijan Robinson or Kenneth Walker. Um, is is my best guess here, uh, Nate? Uh, you got a preference for one of these two running backs going forward? I'm guessing it'll be Robinson based on the matchups, even though it was the uh, risky performances past week, but I will be doing my rankings later today and they will be up on the website. So right now, my guess is my answer will be Robinson, but I will better know that in a couple hours from now. Makes sense. There you go. So make sure to check pff.com. You can find Nate's rankings there. Um, Anthony Anthony Garcia says, guys, help, please. Um, so he's lost uh, his his quarterbacks, at, like a lot of us, Joe Burrow uh, and Justin Herbert. He currently has Kyler Murray not feeling too confident. Uh, mentions Jordan Love, Gardner, Gardner Minshew, Joe Flacco, Nick Mullins, Baker Mayfield, and Jake Browning are available. Does he stick with Kyler Murray or does he stream one of the other two or one of the other quarterbacks? Uh, Jordan Love is the one who stands out on that list just with how well Love has been playing recently. Again, we'll have the rankings out, and I would just pick up whoever I have ranked higher on the list, regardless of what's going to happen in Week 17. Ideally, you have the spots on the roster to have two quarterbacks. Um, 
Mullins also the guy that we mentioned has a good matchup this upcoming week. So I think Mullins is also worth considering, but check out the rankings after the show and I'll have a better answer there. Gotcha. Um, all right. We got a couple more here. Mark Esposito asks uh, Montgomery for Indy if Pittman out. So uh, DJ Montgomery, who we saw score a touchdown um, on Saturday, Michael Pittman uh, going through the concussion protocol. I believe there's potential that he misses this game. Would you feel comfortable starting a DJ Montgomery this week? I would in deeper leagues, but I'm not trusting him too much um, just because the defense might not have been fully prepared for Montgomery and we could see the team change a little bit how they're utilizing the wide receivers. Um, they, like Alec Pierce is still going to be the other outside receiver. I think Pierce is probably the one that I would trust the most out of the two just because he's been starting all year long and then um, there's a chance they might rotate a little bit more in and out since they had some wide receivers inactive just because they didn't think they'd need too many wide receivers. So they will have more active wide receivers this upcoming week at Pittman's out, which could lead to a little bit more of a rotation. So I think I'd at least trust him to see a decent amount of playing time, but I don't know that he'd continue to see a high number of targets. Yep. I'm with you. Um, all right. Uh, Drew the Incredible uh, asks, should I play Josh Palmer, Jaden Reed, or wait and see if Pacheco gets ruled out and play CEH in my flex? So uh, flex question here. Um, we, we think Pacheco's going to play, so could potentially come down to Josh Palmer or Jaden Reed. I love this part of the fantasy season where people <laughs> start asking start sit questions on a Tuesday because that's how stressed out they get about yeah. their lineups and I'm going to be that way too. I'll be setting starting lineups later today for all of my teams. Um, I've, again, I've, the rankings will have a better understanding once I start having a better look at everyone's matchups this upcoming week. I think in general, at Clyde Edwards-Alaire's the starter and Pacheco's out again. I'd be starting him in most formats and most situations. So um, definitely worth considering Clyde Edwards-Alaire there. But I think Jaden Reed is probably someone I trust over Josh Palmer, especially with the quarterback situation in Los Angeles and the change in coaching staff and everything. And Palmer coming back from injury, like he didn't have anything in the first half. Almost all of his production came on one deep play this past week where he was pretty wide open. So if he doesn't have that one play, his stat line doesn't look nearly as good this past week. So Reed's been a bit more consistent getting involved in the passing game, the running game. So Reed is probably the person I'd start over Palmer. Nice. I like it. Um, and then looks like the last one here. I'll give you guys a little bit more time to, to put questions in if you have them when we go through our draft. But um, Adam Heim right, uh, writes, do we trust Deontay Foreman this week in standard scoring? So, um, again, we don't necessarily know uh, who he's trusting him against here, but um, you feel okay about having to put uh, Deontay Foreman into a starting lineup this week? In general, not really, based on how the Bears were rotating running backs this past week. Foreman wasn't having that great of a game, so we saw a bit more Khalil Herbert than we've been seeing. We even saw more Roshan Johnson in uh, early runs, as well as keeping the passing down work that he's had all season. So really, it was like all three guys getting five to six carries in the run game, so that in itself is concerning. And then they are playing Arizona, so it's a game where they could have a pretty good game script. So 
a lot of it just depends on who the alternatives are, but I could very well see Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson again getting really involved, or it could be a game where Foreman's back to seeing double-digit carries. It really depends on who ends up running the ball well for them, but it seems like they were happy at least considering a rotation pretty early on in that game. Foreman was playing on the first drive, Herbert was playing on the second drive, so they were already starting to rotate by the second drive, so... It'll be a risky thing. It's at least worth considering, just depending on who your other running backs are. But it's risky. Yeah, yeah. Bears that backfield definitely risky there. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. If there is one, I guess that you you probably have to start. It's probably Foreman. But like you said, depending on who those options are. So. Thank you guys very much for the questions. Hopefully that helps. I know it, like Nate said, it is a very stressful time of year as we are into the the second round now of the fantasy football playoffs. Um, but uh, other than that, we will wrap up the fantasy portion of our, uh, our, or at least our waiver wire targets portion of the episode today, because we're going to stick with fantasy football for our five round draft this week. And we decided to go with our early 2024 draft ranking so looking at who we think is going to go in what order in 2024 drafts essentially trying to pick out their adp it's at this point in the season uh, you know the 2023 isn't even done yet we haven't seen even a second of the offseason we have no idea how the offseason is going to go anything can happen here but we're going to base it on what we're seeing this year right now and uh, try to put a little list together so feel free to yell at us in the comments if you disagree or if you agree as well that would be nice um but here we go uh nate you are going to have the first overall pick here um where are you going if you have to draft a 2024 team today? I think I am sticking with Christian McCaffrey at the very top for another year. Had him at the top of my rankings this year and was happy with it. He could very well end the season with about 100 more fantasy points than the next closest running back. Just in terms of the combination of his talent, I believe he's currently our highest graded running back at PFF. Uh, how he's used in San Francisco, the offense San Francisco's in. And there's plenty of uncertainty with plenty of other running back situations with what will happen in the offseason. I can be fairly confident that McCaffrey will still be the lead running back for San Francisco, that the coaching staff is going to stay intact, that a lot of the other parts of the offense will stay intact. And if anything, the offensive line hasn't been playing all that great this year. There's a possibility that they can improve the offensive line over the offseason, in which case the offense could be playing even better than they are now. So uh, McCaffrey, the one running back I feel like I can trust in having him over all the other running backs. I think anyone who's had him this year has been happy that they've had him, and I think they can be again next year. Yeah, I'm with you. I think everybody's uh, happy that they they picked Christian McCaffrey this year. So yeah, I, I think that's the the clear number one right now as well. And like you said, after that, um, the running back situations uh, across the league get a little bit sketchier. So I think what I'll do is I will go wide receiver instead, try to pick some stability here. I have no idea who's going to be quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings um, next season, but I do feel pretty good that Justin Jefferson is still uh, an elite wide receiver in the NFL. I was tempted to go with another player here, but uh, I I think I'm just going to go a little bit safer here early in the draft. Again, there's so much uncertainty at this point of the season and just go with uh, Justin Jefferson as the the second overall pick. I think it'll be safe to say that he'll be a first round um, pick. So maybe a little higher here at, at number two, but that's basically where he was going this year as well 
Uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of debate of which wide receivers you're picking in these first couple of picks or the order that you're picking them in at the very least. I'm debating who I'd want to go here, but I think Tyree Kill is the one that I'm going to have as the tiebreaker over some of these others just with how well he's playing this year. Um, was almost going to get 2,000 yards, and maybe he even still can get 2,000 yards if he plays well enough in these last three games. I will be turning 30 before the start of next season, so starting to get on the little bit older side for the wide receiver and the other players you're considering are a bit younger, so that's probably the one red flag for him is just with age, maybe he starts to slow down a little bit, but he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down so far this season, so still going to trust Hill at this point, and Again, a more stable situation where I trust the coaching staff will stay intact in Miami. I trust Tua will remain the quarterback in Miami. So a relatively stable situation. Yep. Uh, that was the other name that I was considering there. Um, man, it, it I, I, okay. So number, so this will be the fourth overall pick here. Um, again, I, I don't know that I trust any of the running backs this high. So I might go wide receiver again here. It doesn't really matter who I picked earlier. Um, it's between, I don't even want to say who it's between um, because then that gives away my, my other options here. So I guess I'll go, um, I'm, I'm going to go Jamar Chase. Um, Joe Burrow obviously, you know, has been banged up this year. has been dealing with, with injuries. Uh, so we, we haven't seen the full Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase connection that we were hoping this year. Banking on them being healthy next season and and getting back to that uh, in 2024. So uh, I'll go Jamar Chase here. Well, that makes my next decision a little bit easier. I will be going with (laughs) C.D. Lamb for my next pick. Um, Being able to get the top players at running back and the top two wide receivers with my first two picks. Uh, Happy to see that. And Lamb, someone who's improved this season, and there's a chance he could continue to improve. He's become among the top wide receivers, but he's still relatively young for how long he's been in the league so far. So a chance he gets better, and the Cowboys in general. uh, Offensive line has been playing great. The quarterback situation deck should still be there. Hopefully they don't have a big, ugly contract situation with him, but I'm going to bank on them being able to work things out, and Dak will be happy for next year. So I'll go CD Lamb for my next pick. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely the other name um, that I was considering there. Um, All right, I am going to go probably running back here um, to switch it up a little bit. And I think I'll go Travis Etienne um, uh, of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Etienne has had some decent usage, hasn't obviously been the most effective runner um, but there, there wasn't, you know, we coming into the year, there was the concern that tank Bixby was going to work and we haven't really seen that yet this year. So as far as usage and, and volume goes, and, and we're starting to see him get more involved as a receiver as well. I think Jacksonville could be potentially an ascending team. Uh, I know they've had their struggles this year as well, but, um, it'd be another year with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback too. So, uh, feels risky, but I'm going to go Travis Etienne and move him into the first round. Fair enough, and uh, we are kind of picking regardless of who we've already picked, so I'm going to keep going wide receivers even though I've already picked two wide receivers, but I'm thinking of this, so if I have the seventh overall pick in the draft and the six guys we've already mentioned have been picked and I'm starting a new team, so sticking with wide receiver, I'm going to go with A.J. Brown for the next one. He's currently uh, fourth in fantasy points on the season. Uh, Trust uh, 
again, it's kind of a tiebreaker of he's in a more stable situation where Jalen Hurts is going to stay the quarterback, the coaching staff staying intact. I still expect the offense to do well, even though they haven't been playing quite as well in the past few weeks, but I'm trusting A.J. Brown's talent in general to stay among the elite wide receivers. And like you've been saying with the running backs, we're really seeing a bit of instability at the top of at running back outside of CMC. A lot of the guys who are doing well this year, part of it's just they're the ones getting the volume. A lot of the guys that we drafted highly last year haven't quite been panning out where these wide receivers, it's a bunch of guys that we've been drafting highly year after year and they've just keep producing and we know that they're going to keep producing. So I think next year we're going to see the first round be very wide receiver heavy. I couldn't agree more. I think it is going to be uh, wide receiver heavy, especially who knows what's going to happen in the offseason and through the draft with the, maybe these teams um, drafting more running backs for, for competition for some of these starters. So I don't have that concern necessarily with, with a lot of these wide receivers. And even my next pick uh, on the list is going to be another wide receiver. Uh, I'm going to go with Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, it, it's time we move him into the first round. He, he's been amazing um, this year. And yeah, don't see him um, you know, having any... I mean, Jamison Williams sure is, is is on the rise, potentially could be a breakout next season, but Amon Ross St. Brown has been the clear um, you know, wide receiver one for that team, and obviously Sam Laporta there as well, but just been the one constant uh, week in and week out, so I, I really trust the, the volume and, and the consistency of Amon Ross St. Brown. I think I'm going to stick with the Detroit Lions for my last pick. And I'm going to go with Jameer Gibbs. He was the nice. one other running back that I was really considering here. Um, he's, um, if you ignore the first couple weeks of the season where his usage wasn't all that great at times, he's one of three running backs to average over 20 PPR points from week five to now. Uh, Kyron Williams being the other one, but I'm not sure what all the Rams might do at running back to get Williams a little bit help over the offseason. So at least slightly concerned about Williams just from that factor uh gibbs has been grading really well i know they still have david montgomery and wouldn't be surprised if they still have montgomery next year but i think they like to give the ball to running back so much that i think and how much they've invested in gibbs and how well he's graded and played gibbs is kind of the one other running back that i might be trusting outside of cmc next year but again we have a long off season where we could see one of these free agent running backs land in a dream scenario or some other running back who's graded well and no longer have as much competition. There's lots of things that can happen at the running back position this off season. Yeah, there's definitely uh, a lot that can and will uh, likely happen for the running back. So, but I, I yeah, I, I like the Jameer Gibbs pick actually. He was, he was on my list and I, I think it makes sense. And yeah, there's, there's other options we could put in here. I mean, like I, I'm tempted to put Bijan Robinson, but if Arthur Smith is going to be head coach next year, I, I just I don't want to mess around with the, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so I, I don't know that I would trust Bijan Robinson in the first round. Really like James Cook, like you said, Kyron Williams. If nothing happens there for the Rams, I, I think you know his usage has earned himself a, a very high pick in drafts. I'll go with a hot takey one. I'm going to go with Rashad White uh, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have been calling him uh, Christian McCaffrey light um, recently just because the, the usage and his involvement as a receiver and his efficiency as a receiver obviously hasn't been amazing as a, as a runner, but he's, he's definitely had his games there as well, just getting all the touches for that Tampa Bay backfield and and, and doing a lot with them and, and producing consistently. Uh, uh, 
high numbers for for fantasy purposes. So I'll, I'll make it a little spicy here. It's 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 still 2023, so why not? Uh, let's go Rashad White in the first round. Fair enough. I was up. You didn't pick um, a running back earlier, and I was stuck picking my ninth best option. Um, Rasheed Rice was the next person on my oh. list after how well he's played these last couple weeks. Uh, he's graded among the top wide receivers, and he's not going to have the same problem next year where he's fighting for playing time for three-fourths of the season. Uh, Rice consistently getting seven or eight catches for like 90 yards and a touchdown nice. most of these recent games. So having a full season with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey getting one year older, Rice could be the clear top receiver for Kansas City next year with Patrick Mahomes. So Rice, I'm not sure he'll end up making it to the first round next year, but I think he's someone who's going to be drafted a lot higher than people were thinking a month ago if people were doing 2024 rankings a month ago. Yeah, love that. Um, yeah, Rasheed Rice has been he, he's been awesome when given the opportunity, and now that he is getting the opportunity, I mean, who knows? Again, we we'll see, we could see Kansas City, uh, you know, add more wide receiver help. That's definitely something they need um, this off season, uh, considering the the struggles they've had there. But yeah, noticeably, um, Travis Kelsey out of our top ten here, he he'd been like a the, the sixth overall pick, but you kind of feel it a little bit, right? Getting a little bit older here. We've seen a little bit of the drop off um, for Travis Kelsey um, this season. He's not even the the clear tight end one this year. I think TJ Hawkinson is ahead of him and Sam Laporta nipping at his heels there. So um, yeah, it'll, it'll be, it'll be a fun off season to kind of go through this and see how ADP changes and see if we were right about any of these, but um, just a quick recap, Nate, you had Christian McCaffrey, Tyree kill, CD lamb, AJ Brown, and Jameer Gibbs. I had Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase, Travis Etienne, Amon Ross St. Brown, and, Rashad White in there so some definite names that that we we didn't add um in here that could potentially get in there but feel free to to let us know about it um in the comments and I'll put the poll out there on Twitter today and I'm sure we'll we'll see some uh comments for that as well so uh that is going to wrap up our episode for today thank you all very much for listening Nate thank you for coming up for the big list of waiver wire targets to go through um and yeah before you go please let everybody else know what you have up on pff.com this week uh, yeah, so I'll have my rankings up later today for all of you that had starts at questions already and are trying to make those kind of decisions for your lineup, but that's when I really start looking ahead to all of the matchups for all of the players. So well, a better idea for all of those uh, within the next couple hours, and then the article for rankings will be up tomorrow. I have the recap for all of the games that have happened this past week all up on the website and the waiver article. If you missed anything that we talked about today or just want to go over it in a little bit more detail, so that is also up. Uh, we'll have start set article up on Thursday. And then just to go over a little bit going forward as well, because we have the holiday season coming up, um, I will no longer be writing the full recaps for games this upcoming weekend, giving myself and the editors a bit more time for the holidays. So I will be a bit more active on social media with game recap-like things, posting some of the graphs that I usually post in the articles. I'll be posting those on social media. So you'll still be able to get a lot of that. Uh, we will not be having our show next Monday like we usually do. But then Tuesday, we will kind of have a hybrid, go over some of the top recap things from the past week and then also go over waivers but with week 17 waivers we might only have 10 or so guys so that'll cut the episode in half so half the episode on waivers half the episode on recaps and then we'll be like normal next week after that point we'll still have rankings out like normal we'll still have start sit out like normal 
but after that, it's basically the end of the fantasy season from there. So uh, my time at PFF is kind of split between fantasy and being a software developer on the B2B side. So starting January, you won't be seeing as much of me. You'll still be seeing John Plenty, and then I'll be back again more once we get closer to the 2024 season. Nice. Sounds good. Um, yeah. And then as for me, we'll have the, I'll have the IDP fantasy report up on PFF.com this afternoon. So you'll find all your IDP waiver wire targets in there. Um, I'll be back tomorrow with the weekly IDP preview uh, back with Kate on Thursday, doing the, uh, the week 16 offensive preview as well. Um, so be sure to check those out. Uh, and uh, yeah, thank you all again for listening. And until next time, peace out.